Hello, dear friends. This is Kardec Radio at 11 p.m., nourishing our souls here live. Today, we're studying the book, Memoirs of a Suicide, Chapter 1. Today, in this Lifting Hope moment, that's the name of this program, we are studying what happens after we discarnate as a suicidal spirit. But there is hope. There is hope. This book is not to disturb our minds, but to lift up our hopes. And you're invited to join us because the rescue begins in the very first chapter. Why do you think the good and loving spirits would, by any chance, bring to us these teachings? They wouldn't bring these teachings to us to, to disturb us. No, no, no. They wouldn't. They actually bring this to us because they really want us to understand that life is much more than the eyes can see. We need to know, right? In the Spirit Book by Allan Kardec, we study a beautiful passage when Kardec asked the spirits, how can we decrease our selfishness to improve the quality of our lives? And the spirit said, we need to deepen our understanding of spiritual life. And that's what we're doing right now. Through Yvonne Pereira, the medium, and the spirit author, Camilo Botelho, or Camilo Castelo Branco. We're going to get to know the reality of our lives. And Leon Denis, as the revising author of this book, brings to us the certainty that life never ends and that we are certainly being called to change ourselves. Are you ready, friends? Yes, I see a few friends here coming along. Hello, friends. Here I see Nora Brasil. How have you been, Nora? I hope you have been wonderful. And Rihanna, beautiful program today with your granddaughter. This morning at Kardec Radio, talking about one of the verses of the Lord's Prayer through the book, Our, the, Our Father, right? By the Spirit of Mei through Chico Xavier. Here at Kardec Radio, Felicia, Rihanna's daughter, and her granddaughter, together they do the program today. We were delighted to see the grandmother and the granddaughter together. Beautiful works. So, Souza, how have you been? And I see here, Daisy, dear Daisy, big hug to you, Daisy. Big hug to you. So, friends, you know, many people, when we talk about, oh, memoirs of a suicide, they're like, oh, it's so creepy. What is that? That's not going to bring me joy. Or what? I am not suicidal. I'm not going to read this book. Or no, no, no. I agree with you. It's hard. Well, the book mainly came along to allow people who were at the edge of this or thinking about it to really understand the lives much more than can than the eyes can see. But this book is for every one of us, 
First, to understand how life works into realms, but also to recap many teachings in the Spiritist teachings. So we don't end up in that condition, right? Nobody wants to become a suicidal mind, right? I've never heard anybody saying, oh, my dream is to be a suicidal spirit or a suicidal person. No, of course not. We're divine. We always dream of wonderful things. But why does this happen? And what we're doing here is also prevention. We need to work on prevention. Nowadays, medicine is investing all the more on prevention. In our daily lives, we need to do prevention as well. Working on our emotions, working on our thoughts, working on our relationships. And in this world, it's not easy. It's not simple. I was just watching uh, something today. And then I saw how the world is still so heavily investing in the sensations of the physical body. It's sad because in the long run of life, there are consequences. For every action, there's a reaction. And this book tells us about this. So we need to work on prevention. So much so that in the Gospel according to Spiritism by Alan Kardec, we see in chapter 5, item 14, suicide and insanity. And the first words are very preventative. The calm, calm and resignation acquired in the manner of looking at earthly life and in the faith in the future gives the spirit a serenity that is the best preservative against insanity and suicide. Friends, that's precisely what we need to talk about here. The program we're doing here, right, Kara Correa? Welcome. The program we're talking about here is heavily investment on prevention. So there are two virtues slash emotions as well we need to cultivate calm being calm to achieve serenity and resignation looking at earthly life in a way that we have faith in the future hope that's what we're talking about hope no wonder Chico Xavier was advised by Mother Mary to constantly remind himself of this affirmation. Everything shall pass. Everything shall pass. And he was so impacted by that affirmation that he put it on a piece of wood in front of his bed. He would wake up every day looking at that affirmation. Do the same. Let us do the same. Everything shall pass. If we're going through difficult times, we know that sooner or later we'll be out of that. We know many things have already happened in our lives, and here we are. So this program is also about prevention, because we know that on earth 
you know, and I know that we're here to learn, to be tasked, to develop new muscles. So challenges are part of life. We need to teach our children. We're preparing you to go through challenges in life. You need to progress. And sometimes it's going to be easy. Sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes it's going to be super hard. But don't, you know, don't forget. Things pass. Breathe in and out. Trust in God always. You're never alone. Ready? This is the introduction of our chapter today. Chapter 1. Chapter 1 is titled, The Valley of the Suicides. I know it's not very invitational, right? But we need to study. You know, the writer is phenomenal. The medium, Yvonne Pereira, did a beautiful work. Leon Denis, his revision and compilation was masterful. So here we have a teamwork effort. And as I mentioned to you in a previous program, I have this book in the Kindle format. And you can acquire it. You can acquire it at Amazon.com very easily. So, so as I say, reading this book changed my life in so many ways. Now, listening you talking about this book in English, my heart is full of gratitude, happiness, and joy. Thank you so much. Thank you, so for teaming up with us. You know, on the behind the scenes of this program, the Spirit Mentors at Kardec Radio, they aim at forming this current of sustenance of good energies and vibrations throughout the world so we can also be available to the good spirits to participate in the rescue works in the beyond believe it or not so it's not only about studying the book but it's also about being recruited to work with the loving and kind spirit mentors who need a lot of help earth from incarnates as we're gonna see in this book to do the works that they need to do okay chapter one it begins by camilo camilo castello branco saying it was the month of january 1891 when i found myself being held in an area of the invisible world pause when did he discarnate? He discarnated on, in June 1890. Okay? So six months before this time point that he's mentioning here. And you may be asking, what happened to him between that moment of discarnation to the moment he's describing now? You see throughout the book. Right now, six uh, months after his suicide he realizes he realizes that he is in someplace else he didn't die it's desolate landscape now he's describing the landscape was comprised of deep valleys that were continuously enveloped in shadowy darkness within its winding gorgeous and sinister caves, spirits that used to be men and women on earth howled 
like hordes of infuriated demons, demented by the absolutely inconceivable intensity and strangeness of the sufferings that tormented them. Of course, he, as Camilo is describing this to us, it's as if we go to Dante's books. I mean, pictures, right? The pictures. And we see the description of a living hell. And I'm just mentioning the word. But it's all the projection of the mind. But it's tangible, solid, because we're co-creators. When astronomers study the universe, they say majority of the universe is dark matter, energy matter, uh, dark energy, dark matter. They don't understand yet, but we do. The spirit realm, not accessible to the physical eyes of the humans, right? 1% of this universe is observable by us. Majority of it we can't still grasp, even with the the beautiful telescopes that they have created. And in this chapter, Camilo is going to talk about the fact that the world is not only infinite, but it's inhabited, the, the, the universe. There's much more in the universe than the eyes can see. We need to think about it daily, daily, daily. Right, Kara Correa? Thank you for being so loving and kind and reminding us of our collective gratitude to the good spirits. Thank you, Carol. So here he says, in that awful place, the distraught eyes of the condemned were unable to discern even the slightest gentle outline of a tree that might bear witness to their hours of desperation. What did we just read here? The antidote to despair calmness and resignation, right? Surrender. God knows what we're going through. In the book, Paul and Stephen, Emmanuel describes to us in the first three chapters how Abigail and Jaziel, later Stephen, right? He and her are so calm and resigned in extreme times. But they have been practicing it, of course, in previous lives. But in that life, their mother was instrumental in cultivating those feelings in their minds. And they were able to succeed because they kept calm and surrendered, resigned throughout their lives. Assessment question to you and I. How are we doing in regards to those feelings? Do we get desperate easily when things go off our plan? For example, Monday, Monday begins, we have a to-do list, right? We go there, hopefully we do. It's important to know what we're aiming to do. And then Monday starts. And we receive an unexpected phone call or unexpected email etc etc and then we're like 
Okay, we may think that things are not easy. We may talk to friends, discuss solutions, options, but, but, if we remind ourselves that God knows everything that happens to us, God knows your social security, the present, the past, and the future ones. Because God is God. Omnipresent, omniscient. He is not limited to time and space. So he knows before we know it. And the higher spirits were connected. They know it too. Look at Jesus telling Emmanuel in the book 2,000 years ago. The report is there. Publis Lentulus. Jesus coming across saying, if you don't surrender now, it will take millennia for you to do it. Really? Really? And he did. Millennia. So, that vantage point that belongs to higher minds shall be practiced by us little by little at lower levels until we achieve that level to avoid despair. Emmanuel also shares with us in a message that is yet to be translated in one of the so many books by Chico, through Chico Xavier, saying that despair is also a byproduct of selfishness and sadness when we're sad and it's like chemistry sadness plus selfishness equals to what does that result in despair sadness plus selfishness equals to despair so we're talking about that and once we understand it, we need to prevent it. And understand that it may happen to us, to anybody else, but God knows it and we only go through what we can handle. Right? We can handle it. Affirmations. I know God loves me. I can do it. I know there will be a way out. I know God is going to Show me the way. That's an affirmation we want to practice in the next 24 hours. God, I trust in you. Please show me the way. God, I know I trust in you. Please show me the way. And once again, God, I trust in you. Please show me the way. Let's do this affirmation. And feel the serenity that comes with it. So, shall we? We're doing prevention work. Now, let us then go to other things. He said the ground of that location, covered with fetid, dark suit-like matter. It was filthy, pasty, slippery, and repugnant. The heavy air was asphyxiating, icy, and darkened by threatening clouds, as if never-ending storms were roaring all around. 
when they inhaled, they the spirits confined there would choke as if the pulverized matter, more noxious than ashen line, had invaded their respiratory tract, tormenting them with a torture unimaginable to a human mind used to the glorious light of the sun. That celestial gift that blesses the earth daily and the life-giving currents of salutary breezes that invigorate the physical bodies. Now, this piece I'm going to read goes hand in hand as well with all the spiritist literature. There was no peace, no consolation or hope there, nor would there ever be. Everything about those wretched surroundings was marked by misery, fright, desperation, and horror. One might call it a dismal cavern of the incomprehensible, indescribable even by a spirit that suffered the punishment of inhabiting it. And then he compares the valley of suicides with the valley of the lepers at Jesus' time. And he says that the valley of the lepers would be a consoling place of repose when compared to the valley of the suicides. In the valley of the lepers, there would at least have been camaraderie among the afflicted. But in the valley of suicides, people were fighting against each other, he says. He says there was only pain without consolation. Suffering never lessened by any act of kindness. Any, any. People would actually fight. And tragedy that no calming thoughts could sprinkle with hope. There was no sky, no light, no sun, no fragrances, no respite. Harder. There was actually an abundance of disgruntlement, the horrific shock of those who found they were still alive in spite of having killed themselves. There was revolt, cursing, insults, and the shrieking of souls which the monstrous touch of expiation had transformed in beasts. Mm -hmm. Now, let me share with you that he says here that they would still fight against each other. I'm just going, they would be angered. There would be at times brutal fights, invariably angered by, for the most insignificant reasons, we would go at one another in violent, bloodly, bodily fights in which, just as in the lower social strata of the earth, the winners were those that displayed more deftness and truculence. You may be asking, dear friends, why we are emphasizing these parts. Why? Because we're talking about the value of suicides connected to the planet Earth, which means everything is about vibration. There are people on the Earth who behave like this. They curse. They fight for nothing. They are distraught by nothing. Just like it says here, 
they're brutal. They fight with anybody. And they are incarnated. Where do you think they are going to be connected to in those hours? To the radio waves, to the magnetic, electromagnetic waves of the Valley of the Suicides. So we're talking about prevention here in which we cultivate a life that will lead us to avoiding this. But if every day I feel very sensitive, I'm always defensive, I'm always fighting, and I don't care if I'm brutal, I don't care, then I am marching towards that mindset of desperation, that mindset of self-centeredness that leads us to suicide. When we are so selfish, we don't think of people's feelings. And Camilo Castello Branco, Camilo in this book describes to us, he says, we fight, he says, he would be in that mindset too. So we're talking about prevention. Do we want to be like that? Always defensive with people as if we are in a, on a ring, in a rink, always like ready to fight and being brutal. So violent. We need to think about it. Because we're working on prevention. He says he himself participated into this. People were not kind at all. They were completely mad and desperate and angry. So we need to get out of that mindset which is so selfish. And you may be asking, but Vanessa, what do we do? Well, the spirits tell us, go to Andrea Lewis' book, Nosolar, through Chico Xavier. He says, we need to stop the pity party. Oh, but nobody understands my pain. Really? Really? And you do understand people's pain. I'm sorry to say it. But we, when we think about, but nobody cares about me. And you, do you care about people? But do we really care or we have a hidden agenda? I care expecting that people will care. If we really care, it suffices. We are feeling fulfilled because we connect with the highest minds and they care. So people care, but not exactly the people you expect. We need to leave that pity party and the self-centeredness. Andre Louis, at a certain point in the book Nosolar, describes to us how important it is not to talk about ourselves all the time, to avoid it. We're so used to that, and that's a, an ill attitude to always be referring to ourselves, to approach others, to contemplate nature, to do things that are healthy and out of this self-centeredness mode because it doesn't lead us to any good. 
the suicidal minds, always encapsulated in self-centeredness. Look at Camilo. He says, at that point in time, I still thought I was blind. Remember, in 1890, when he discarnated. When he discarnated in 1890, June 1890, he was blind. The doctors told him it was irreversible. He decided to quit life. And he says he realized he was still blind. And he mentions, at least that is what I kept telling myself. Perception. How many things happen in our lives that are totally our own choice in decoding the world? If God made us co-creators, we need to learn to be better encoders of life's stimulus. Meaning, to give it a new meaning. Not the meaning that we have been giving to things for millennia. Or the meaning that society gives to things, the one that we choose. To everything. People may think that losing a job is a bad thing. To them, it may be in the eyes of God the opportunity for you to find the job or to start your own thing or whatever else we need to do. If God is allowing something to occur in our lives, it is because there is an educational purpose, a beautiful purpose, and it is on us to break it down. For Camilo, and we're not saying we're going to cheer up and say, yay, I'm blind. No. But we need to teach ourselves about it. Right? It's not easy, friends. We cannot even imagine. We don't judge. But he's saying his blindness was from the inside out. And I remained blind, even though my blindness was actually caused by my moral inferiority as a spirit far from the light. Far from the light. Mm -hmm. Rihanna is saying, give out what you feel you need. If you feel lonely, be a friend. If you need love, then love others. Beautiful, Rihanna. Love it. So he's seeing his moral inferiority. And you know, in the chapter, Be Perfect, chapter in the book, Gospel, the Gospel According to Spiritism, chapter 17, item 3, The Moral Persons. And that's what he's talking about, moral inferiority. That leads us to misperceptions, misconceptions beliefs that are wrong, that are not helpful. This is a beautiful chapter for us. Moral persons study their own imperfections and strive incessantly to combat them. All their efforts are focused on being able to say 
to themselves tomorrow that they are better than they were yesterday. Okay? All right. I know this book is so phenomenal. There are so many things for us to learn from it. But let's go forward and go to the part where they he starts realizing that in spite of this horrific, horrible place, right, where people are being noisy and loud and brutal, he says, suicide is an all-encompassing web in which the victim trashes around only to become even more confounded trapped and entangled confusion would take hold now in the present the persistence of malefic autosuggestion recalled the superstitious tales that we we had heard in childhood impressed over time in the layers of our subconscious these tales would materialize in bizarre visions giving them the feel of reality we thought we were no less than before the tribunals of hell itself, you see. So we need to be careful what we tell our children because it can even affect us in the beyond, not only in the incarnation, right? Such deplorable scenes would be followed by ones no less dramatic, offensive acts committed by us during incarnation. So they are there and they are bumping on each other, fighting one another, and there's an inner fight and an outer fight. Such terrible place. But now he's saying, in the maelstrom of events that suicides experience after the failure that put them prematurely in the grave, the dreadful valley is only a temporary layover. It is where they are drawn to by a natural pulling movement to which they are attuned until the time, the heavy shackles that bind them to their physical earthly body destroyed before the time prematurely by natural law are unlocked. So now he is going to describe to us that this valley of suicides is actually a therapeutic place. Mm-hmm. Because while they are there, the physical bodies that were supposed to sustain life for X number of years more is slowly taking care of that extra vitality, they say here. They talk about the vital fluids. They're going to stay there. That's when the rescuing begins. I mean, being there in the valley is already a way of expunging all that despair, the negativity. That's why we're talking about the importance of practicing optimism. Some people are afraid of being optimist, optimistic, right? Some people are. Because they say, oh, you know what? I'm afraid I'll be disappointed. I don't want to dream about certain things because what if I don't get them? But if you don't 
project yourself out there, how will you get there? Never. But we need to understand that life is not only this one life. Is life immortal. So we need and we must practice positive thinking, visualizing the good, seeking the good, right? Feeling the good, visualizing the good, molding the good with all the resources we have at hand, sharing hope, optimism, boosting each other's courage, faith, joy. After all, we are children of God. We are children of God. Do you feel it? We are children of God. And Camilo is saying, when we choose otherwise, we enter that mindset of negativity. Suicide, homicide is just next door. We don't need that any longer. We won't be frustrated because we are God's children. The universe created for us. We are here to co-create with God. What can go wrong with it? So then I visualize myself patient, loving, kind. And I will get there one day, one day, but I won't give up. I may be rough with this person today, with that person. You know, let's talk about mothers. Being a mother is wonderful. Being a father is wonderful. But it's, it's not easy. Sometimes you're tired. You have to do stuff. And children have their ways of pushing those buttons. Sometimes we'll go off and we have to be tough. And we go to sleep feeling guilty. Oh my gosh, I should have said it differently. But you know, I will project that mindset that one day I will be able to come around that same scenario in a different way. And I keep aiming at it. One day I will succeed and I forgive myself for it. No giving excuses, but training ourselves for excellence. After all, Jesus says, be perfect as my father is perfect. God. Okay, back here. So he is going to teach us that people have to stay in this valley of suicides until, until these heavy shackles that bind to the physical are unlocked. Okay? He says, okay, I'll read a little more. The powerful layers of vital fluids that used to clothe their physical body have to disaggregate layers that great mother nature, this is so beautiful when he says great mother nature, this was written at the beginning of the century, I mean, in the first part of our century, 20th century, a century ago. He was already talking about nature in that beautiful way. Layers that great mother nature had adapted by special affinities to their astral organization, the Paris spirit, with enough 
reserves for the commitments of an entire existence. Now, he's explaining to us that when you and I reincarnate, we have reserves of vitality programmed in our spiritual body. So if we cut it short, ouch. These affinities have to be broken. And regarding a suicide, this task is followed by the most afflictive difficulties in imposing slowness to obtain only later the vibrational possibility that will allow for relief and progress. Moreover, their character, their wrongs, and the level of their overall responsibilities will determine their situation and the intensity of the torments they will have to endure because in such cases, it's not only the disappointing consequences of suicide that afflict their soul, but also all the sinful acts they committed previously. Every now and then, now the beauty, a remarkable caravan would visit the den of darkness. Ta-da! Beautiful, beautiful. You think you are alone? No. No, no, no. We are never alone. You are not alone. We are not alone. And now we get to know of what he describes the legion of Mother Mary's servants. He describes it. These groups of people from the beyond, higher spirits that come to rescue those who are ready for the next step in their recovery. So when somebody commits suicide, they're not doomed to hell. They will begin anew. They'll be rescued. They will be treated with so much love. In spite of that phase in the valley of suicides, they need to expunge all that madness to be able to fly higher and go. This caravan was like an inspection by some charitable organization, an offer of caring assistance by humanitarian institution whose selfless objectives could not be doubted. You think being a humanitarian is only here on earth? The higher spirits are the humanitarians of our planet. It would come looking for those of us whose vital fluids, diluted by the complete disintegration of matter, would permit transfer to the intermediary or transitional levels of the invisible. This goes hand in hand with Kardec's book, Heaven and Hell, the chapter that talks about the suicidal spirits, chapter one of part two that talks about um, the transition to chapters one, two, and so on, that talks about how we discarnate. We need to observe it. They don't pick and choose. Mm -hmm. And women made part of the group. The column was led by a small platoon of lancers to open the way while other lancers flanked it to provide a security barrier, making it very clear that they were very well protected 
against any hostilities that might come from the outside. The commander held up a white banner with his right hand and on it we could read, written in sky blue letters, this extraordinary inscription which had the effect of infusing us with uncontainable and singular awe, Legion of the Servants of Mary. Okay, visualize it, the banner. Legion of the Servants of Mary and the organization. As Andre Louis says in the book, Action and Reaction, Chapter 2, order is the foundation of charity. And they have here order. Lancers who are assigned to this role and to other roles, organization, it's not by privilege, but by preparedness, by readiness in regards to their own constitution. They describe that these lancers, shield and lance in hand, had a tanned complexion, complexion and were dressed frugally, recalling the Egyptian warriors of antiquity. Heading the expedition was a venerable looking man wearing a white physician's coat and badge, in addition to the cross already mentioned. His head was not covered with characteristic cap, but with a white Hindu turban. Those folds, whose folds were bound in the front of the traditional emerald, the symbol of physicians. Members of the caravan would enter the inhabited caves now, and then to examine the occupants or full of compassion, they would bend over the gutters here and there to uplift, you see, lifting hope, uplift some wretch that had fallen due to excessive suffering. They would lift those who were in a condition to receive assistance and place them on stretchers handled by men that seemed to be helpers or apprentices. Camilo says, today I can say that those friendly and caring voices that transmitted for humanitarian purposes via the sensitive and delicate waves of the ether with the sublime concourse of magnetic devices at determined points of the invisible, that is, at the place to which we would be taken when we were able to leave the valley. At the time, though, we had no idea of these details and felt totally confused. It's very interesting because Camille is saying, as I'm writing now, I understand why this happened. But back then, when I was in the Valley of Suicides, I couldn't understand. I was confused like everybody else. Because they had such an organization that their names of the ones who were ready to be rescued were being called. Even describing the streets and the caves where they were in, meaning that the higher spirits have a map of this Valley of Suicides. They know precisely who is there, in which place, what they are doing, and they, when they are ready to be rescued. Think about your life now. Think about it. We're here on earth. Sometimes people feel abandoned and alone, as if nobody knows what's going on with us. 
if the map of the value of suicides happens? You think people don't have a map on us? You think Jesus doesn't know precisely what's going on? He has a baby monitor on us? I think he does. And I'm sure he does. He knows precisely what's going on and what we need. So what do we do? As Camilo wraps up this chapter, and of course I'm not reading it all, just excerpts of it. He says, God, oh God of mercy. Oh God of mercy. Let us feel this humanitarian waves of help from the beyond. Helping all of us, but mainly those who are in excruciating pain who have discarnated in such conditions as suicide or homicide or those who are incarnated and feeling themselves at the edge of despair let us wrap up the program today with a prayer again we need to pray as Camilo says as Leon de Ilmi reinforces and Yvonne Pereira exemplified, we need to pray for those who committed that act of insanity, certainly not knowing that they are loved, that they are never abandoned, that there is always a solution. We just need to maintain calmness and resignation. Shall we, friends? Yes? Let us pray together then. Oh, Mother. Mother Mary, who is in charge of these beautiful works, we pray to you, knowing of your immense efforts, knowing that you love us immensely and that we know what those who are in greater need than ourselves need. We pray that you count on us. We pray for their relief. We cannot imagine what it is to be in their position or if we do, we would like to multiply our crumbs of goodwill to their rescue. May they visualize your caravans, the lancers, the physicians, the stretchers, bringing them renewed hope. We feel your loving kindness and we kindly ask you to bring them the living water 
and the hope of renewal. As we breathe deeply the embracing of your love, we visualize your blanket of love enveloping all of them in quietude, serenity, and the certainty that there's always a new day. May we pacify our minds to work together. with you. May we remain in this peace and calmness, practicing the needed resignation, knowing that this life is an opportunity to renew ourselves. Thank you, God, for bringing Mother Mary to us and for bringing this book that gives us new hope, that lifts our hopes. May we stay under your guidance always, feeling your protection, as you grant us the permission to wrap up this moment of reflection and study together, and so be it. Thank you, friends. Thank you, friends, for being together in this current of love, participating in this humanitarian efforts of the beyond. We shall stay together and come back tomorrow in another moment of lifting hope here at Kardec Radio, always nourishing our souls. Thank you, friends. Until tomorrow, God willing.